Be encouraged by this reality next on Abounding Grace. Back in the day, there used to be this bumper sticker and even a t-shirt that said, God ain't finished with me yet. You guys see that? God's not finished with you. And you know, it's become this Christian cliche, but what I have found over the years is that Christian cliches have some of the greatest truth and they just get lost because they get repeated so many times and they start making bumper stickers out of things and you lose sight of the reality is that truly God is not finished with you. That as long as you are here and breathing, God has a plan and a purpose he's working out in your life, that he's going to finish the work. Praise the Lord that what God starts, he always finishes. This is amazing grace. As you're driving around town, on occasion you'll see a construction crew working and signs up that communicate to us that work is in progress. We know when we see that to slow down, be extra attentive, and in the back of our mind we may wonder what it's going to be like when the work is complete. Now as you look at your life, you might imagine a sign hanging over you saying, work in progress. That's because God isn't finished with us until we see Him face to face. He will complete the project. Knowing that can have a radical impact on your mindset. Here's Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace in Hebrews chapter 6. So wake up this morning. I didn't sleep very well last night. Excuse. I didn't sleep very well last night, so I got up early this morning like I normally did. I got ready to come to church, uh, waiting for Caitlin, doing my devos, go over to the espresso machine, uh, make her her favorite drink, make me my quad shot which is just the beginning, and turn the car on to warm it up, wait for Caitlin to come down, go over to the area of the mudroom there by the door by the garage, put my jacket on, we jump into the car, we banter back and forth like we normally do on the way to church, and we're messing around, joking, goofing off, and then we pull up into the parking lot here, I get out of the car, and Caitlin says, Dad, where's your shirt? Yeah, I forgot to put my shirt on this morning. (laughs) Now, I had my undershirt on, but I forgot my shirt, you know, because this is back when we had a campus. We met over in in Denver. Uh, We had a campus over there. We used to play. So so here's here's the mindset. You go, Ed, what are you thinking? Well, okay, this is what happens. Saturday night, I put a shirt on. I teach. I go home. I take the shirt off. I put it in my office because I'm going to wear it on Sunday morning because we used to broadcast Saturday night service over at the campus. And so I wanted to wear the same shirt that I was wearing on Saturday. So if anybody saw me, it was just, there was thinking behind it. We don't do the campus anymore, but it also saves on laundry, just so you know. And I got up today, and I wasn't in any major hurry. It wasn't any big deal. There was really no reason for this, but I forgot my shirt. And it would be a tragic incident if I taught in a white t-shirt on a Sunday morning. (laughs) It would be scandalous. Not really, but it would be weird. 
And if I only had my mind to depend on, for goodness sake, I didn't even remember to put my shirt on. Now, before you laugh so much at me, you might want to look at your own life a little bit <laughs> and see what we can share in common, where today we can just be grateful and thankful for God's overwhelming power in our weakness and in our mistakes. So whether you're super brilliant or not so brilliant after all, it really doesn't matter. God loves you. He made you that way. And what he began in your life, he's faithful to complete it. You can trust him. The key to accessing that is faith. Just trusting God. Knowing that what he has started, he's going to finish. Paul writes with absolute confidence. Absolute confidence in the finishing grace of God. And sometimes we just forget that God is at work. We get stuck in the circumstances of life that so quickly sink our faith. You're in Philippians. Go over to chapter 2 now with me in verse 12. Philippians chapter 2. You see, the focus, though, is not on, on us. The, the focus is not on us. It's not on our ability. It's not on our perfect behavior or doing everything right. It's on God. Verse 12, chapter 2. Therefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, because it's God. Now, that word for, if you like to write in your Bible, circle it. You could write next to it, because. Because that's really what he's saying. Work out your own salvation in fear because God's working in you. And he's doing two things. To, to give you a will, to change your desires. To will and to do. To change your desires, number one. And number two, to give you the power to follow through for his good pleasure. Again, from the New Living, it says, Dearest friends, you were always so careful to follow my instructions when I was with you. And now that I'm away, you must be even more careful to put into action God's saving work in your lives. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear, for God is working in you, giving you the desire to obey him and the power to do what pleases him. That's the work of God in your life. He's doing two things. So for those of you that are born again believers, God is working in you. You may not be cooperating with him, but God is still at work. Those of you that are hard-hearted, those of you that are resistant, those of you that are angry, those of you that are not fulfilling the high calling God in your life, even those of you that are not pleasing God, God is still at work, giving you new desires and the power to follow through because that's what the word works means in verse 13. Next to works, you could write energy. He's literally giving you the energy where it lacks in order to obey him. And it is just too easy to forget that God's at work, that God is working and that he'll finish his work. And his plans for you are much larger than you even know now. Much larger than you experience. That God loves you. It's so easy to forget how God loves us and is for us and not against us. That he created you and put you on this planet with a work that only you can uniquely accomplish. Not only that, but we're gathered together in a group like this so that we don't forget that we're not alone. We're in this together. We're part of a brand new spiritual family on this huge planet populated by billions of people. God reminds us that we're in this together and that he's given us new desires. I mean, think about your life, how you think differently now, how you're new, you have new desires, like, like just the desire to wonder, you know, you just want to know what does God say on a matter? That came from God. 
you know, you're, you're looking, is this the guy I should marry? Is this the gal I should connect with? Is, is this the place you want me to live? Is this the place where you want? Just asking those questions of God in prayer are the desires that he birthed inside of you. Now the gifts and the talents and all that you have, where once it was used for your own motives and whatever your desire was, now those same things, you ask the question, how can I please God with all that he's entrusted to me? How can I please God with this life? You know, we don't always understand God's will. We don't always see it clearly, and we don't always do it. But we can take courage that God is going to show us and lead us through everything. And this reminds us that the pressure is off of you in your relationship with God. That we're learning through this time in the book of Hebrews that if we will simply surrender and obey, we'll make quick progress. And I dare say, this is a word from the Lord to someone listening to me right now, that the issue in your life right now is your disobedience to what God has revealed to you. And it might be wrapped around with all kinds of reasons, excuses, and feelings, but God on the inside of you can get right to the root. And if you choose today to simply respond in obedience, God will meet you right there and begin to work in your life in a positive way, no longer fighting against you. You know, all of the pains, all of the setbacks, all the sufferings in this world come because the world has fallen. It's touched and tainted by sin. And so as you stumble and fall in the race, as we all do, don't beat yourself up over your shortcomings. Like, it's so important to train yourself, because some of you have a weakened, you know, you're, you're weakened in this area because, you know, you have this, perhaps you're kind of like a perfectionist, so when you don't reach perfection, you kind of beat yourself up, or, or you fail a lot, you make a lot of mistakes. And the Bible even speaks to this in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, where it says, now there is therefore no condemnation to those that are in Christ. And when we stumble and fall, some have this tendency to beat yourself up and go, you know, I'll never finish and I'll never make any progress. And it seems like everyone around me is making more progress. Don't beat yourself up because you're not living up to some standard, even the standard you set for yourself. But rather release yourself to the work of God to change your mind and empower you to obey. Because God made you to have fellowship with him. He made you to enjoy him. And the work is done and over and what's left is your relationship with the Lord. Notice he says, he gives you, in verse 13, God's working in you both to will, giving you the desire to do what's right. New desires, new wants, new wishes. But not only that, also the power to do. So, you know, we all face things in life. I don't think I can do this. And that's where you tap into the power of God. You're like, yeah, that's right. You can't do this. But as you surrender yourself to God, he empowers you to follow through in obedience. God is working in you. Why? Well, he says at the end, for his good pleasure. To please God. It's just startling to me. It's shocking to me that for much of my life, prior to being born again, I lived to please myself. And I went at it. And I know many of you share the same testimony. It's like everything I did was to please myself, even at the cost of great pain to those that love me or even to society. But that changed when you, were, when you changed, when I changed. And now my life is to bring glory and honor to God, even at great cost or self-sacrifice in our lives. 
the cooperation that comes in our lives is for his pleasure so that his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not only do we forget who's doing the work, we also can forget that it's a good work. The work that God's doing in you is good because he's the one doing it. You, the Bible says, are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. It's a good work that the finished product will be good. And we say, oh, Lord, you're so faithful to us. So here we are today. There are two types of people listening to me. There are those that have been born again that God is working in you. And to that, you can rejoice. God's working in me. You can say that. God, say it out loud. God is working in me. Go ahead, say it out loud. God's working in me. Say it again. Go ahead. Some of you are not. Okay, so some of you aren't saying it. So I'm going to say it for you. God's working in you. And there is another group of people listening to me. You may not be so, so willing to do this, but this is the thing. God's working in a lot of people. And those that aren't saved, God's working on you. I don't know if you want to say that out loud, but if you do, that's the work. God's working on you. You see, the privilege of a believer is that God's working in us. But if you don't have a relationship with God today, he's working on you. And there's only one goal that he has, to bring you to the realization that you have sinned and fallen short of his glory. Or you could say it this way. He wants to bring the conviction of sin upon your life. Conviction, that's a courtroom word. And it makes a lot of sense. Because if we were in a courtroom and we did commit the crime, when we are convicted, whether by jury or by our plea, you know, we plead guilty, that immediately brings about the decision of the judge of conviction. You have been convicted of a crime. Convicted also has the idea of convincing, and it's the reality of the situation. And God wants you to bring you, just like in a courtroom, he wants, you bring, he wants to bring you to the reality of the truthfulness of your situation, that you have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and salvation and forgiveness and a relationship with God is not found any other place than through Jesus Christ. That God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting, everlasting life. So most of us, God's working in us. Some of us, some of you, God's working on you, inviting you to turn your life over to him and to trust him. For that work in us, that work is our lives. And it's a good life. As painful as we might be, as even as much damage as we might have done in Christ, it's a good life. And he has a long-term plan for you and me. You're a work in progress. God is doing all sorts of things in your life right now. Redeeming, repairing, restoring, comforting, encouraging. And then the confidence comes back. They go, yes, God's at work. I haven't seen it for a while. I haven't felt it for a while. But then the confidence goes, yes, God has started to work in me. I remember. I remember who I was. I know who I am. And you begin to confidence. Even though you can't see it, maybe not even feel it, we know it by faith. Titus chapter 3 verse 4 says, But then God our Savior showed us his kindness and love. He saved us, not because of the good things we did, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins and gave us new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out his Spirit upon us because of what Jesus Christ our Savior did. And he declared us not guilty because of his great kindness. And now we know that we will inherit eternal life. In order for you to be declared not guilty, you have to admit that you're guilty. 
so that the blood of Jesus Christ can cleanse you of your sin. And all of his work includes today, this Bible study. If you have your kiddos or grandkids down in the children's ministry, all that they're learning, everything you're going to talk about this afternoon, your devotional life, your time in the Word, your time in prayer. But what happens is we lose sight of eternity. We get caught up by the difficulties of now. We forget the eternal scope and plan of God. We feel the frustrations and agitations. We get caught up in the moment, in the circumstances, the difficulties. People press in on us. Worries consume us. We get upset over issues. Our our hearts sink over sadness or sorrow. And then we forget and lose confidence and forget that what God started, he promised to complete. If God started it, he's going to finish it. And you can trust him that way. Maybe you've seen the bumper sticker. I haven't seen it too much lately. But back in the day, there used to be this bumper sticker and even a t-shirt that said, God ain't finished with me yet. You guys see that? God's not finished with you. And you know, it's become this Christian cliche. But what I have found over the years is that Christian cliches have some of the greatest truth. And they just get lost because they get repeated so many times. And they start making bumper stickers out of things. And you lose sight of the reality is that truly God is not finished with you. That as long as you are here and breathing, God has a plan and a purpose. He's working out in your life that he's going to finish the work. Praise the Lord that what God starts, he always finishes. Everything he starts, he finishes. In Psalm 138, verse 7, it says, Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me. You'll stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand will save me, and the Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Your mercy, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the works of your hands. Why is that important? Well, some of you are a bit discouraged today, maybe a little bummed out. I know in our church family this week, especially among some of the guys on on staff, we had some really, really heavy, hard situations come through the church this week, just super, super hard. Things that require you know, delivering bad news to children, um, just, just bad stuff that just, you know, you go, why, you, why do you pray uh, for our pastoral team and the leaders here? Because you just never know what a week's going to bring. You never know what you're going to face. Why, why, do you pray, why do you pray for our teachers in the school? Because you just don't know what's going to happen in a classroom or in a child's family. And, and so this week has been one of those weeks where there's just this, this sorrow and sadness that's taken root in some hearts. Even last night, because uh, one of the brothers is involved, has been a part of our church for many, he's, see his kids grow up. And, and he's one of those guys that he can do a hundred things right, but he'll just get stuck on the one mistake he made. And so I spent a lot of time on the phone with him after service last night, just really walking him through to help him get over that one little thing and remind him of all that God did through his life and all that God did. He was feeling guilty for someone else's action. And it wasn't even his own. And perhaps that's you, where where you just have a sensitive conscience about you. Or you might see a hundred things that you've done right, but you always focus on the one that's wrong. Or maybe that's how you were raised and that's just, you don't, you can't, like, like you're just caught up by it and you're just like, I don't know. I don't know what's, what's happening. I don't know what's going to, what the future might hold. You might even be depressed today, feeling beat down by life and ready to give up. And it's true in this race of life, we will all face difficulty. Sometimes it's our own doing. We bring it upon ourselves and other times it's just the result of living in a sin-soaked world. But either way, remember this. 
what God has begun in you, he will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. He isn't, he, he hasn't started the work and said to you, here's the great, here's my grace to get you started. I hope you can make it. But rather, here's the grace to get you started. Here's the grace to keep you going. And here's the grace that you'll need all the way through the finish line. Be confident of this. And so what does our prayer become? God, I just want to stand in the center of your will. I just want to be where you desire me to be. And so if you haven't already, memorize Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Put it to heart and then live it out, remembering with confidence the saving grace of God, the sustaining grace of God, and the grace of God to finish your race and to finish it well. And praise God that when Jesus finished the work, he said to us, it is finished. It's his work in your life, not dependent on your own strength. Anybody want to say amen to that? <laughs> it's not our own strength. Everything's good when you fall asleep because God is faithful. Even when you're sleeping, God does not sleep or slumber. He takes good care of his kids. We're enjoying a study in Hebrews here on Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed Taylor is our teacher on the program, and you can hear these studies online at AboundingGraceRadio.com and also through the Calvary Church app. Check out Ed's blog at EdTaylor.org. Pastor Ed, our pick of the month is an excellent book written by Skip Heitzig. How might this be useful to our listeners so they can get the very most out of their Bible study? Well, I have to say, Larry, a lot of the questions that I get when we do our live radio broadcast or uh, folks within our fellowship family here at Calvary Church surround how to handle the Bible. And a lot of the questions that are asked, you know, the Bible questions could be answered if tools in understanding how to study the Bible were made more available. That's why I picked this book by Pastor Skip Heitzig. It's a book that helps you understand how to study the Bible using the inductive Bible study method. And just hearing that makes it sound like it's so hard and so difficult, but it actually isn't. Not only is it not hard, but Pastor Skip puts it in a very introductory, easy-to-grasp ways to begin to learn how to study your Bible right away. It's a small book. It's not a manual. It's not a textbook. It's a small book that will help you grasp the basic understandings of making good observations, coming to the right interpretation that will lead you to many good applications of the text. And it'll help you as you're sharing the gospel. It'll help you as you're reading through your daily devos. It'll help you as you're putting together that Bible study for the kids or that, that home group, that life group. But it is a, an essential book that everyone should read. It should be a companion when you're ready to step in and go, okay, how do I know what the historical context is? How do I know what this word means? How do I know what the original language means? Pastor Skip covers it well on a very introductory level. I'd encourage you to pick it up, whether you get it through us or you get it somewhere else. Uh, I know it'll help you grow. And that's really why, by the way, Larry, we pick these, these books every month. It's to help you build a spiritual library. Of course, if you want to support the ministry, that's fantastic. Uh, we'll receive it. We'll use it under the glory of God. But what's more important to us is that our ministry here is a discipleship tool in your hand. And one of the ways we do that, besides teaching the Bible verse by verse, is recommending books that you can trust. 
So, you know, I, I, and really one more thing, just thinking about it. Uh, when, when I was a new believer, I, I lived in the Christian bookstore and I bought so much junk. It, it was displayed and it was popular and it was just junk. And so I committed as a pastor, uh, when I moved here to Colorado, that I would develop a list and make it available. We have that list available. You want to email me, ed at edtaylor.org. I'll send you the list. We're reformatting it right now. Uh, or you can go to our website, because we have a store online, calvaryco.store, and that's a bookstore you can trust every single item. You just know you won't be wasting your money. Thanks, Larry, for that question. That's How to Study the Bible and Enjoy It by Skip Heitzig. When you support Abounding Grace today with a gift of $25 or more, be sure to request a copy of this helpful book. Call us now at 877-30-GRACE. Again, 877-30-GRACE. Glad to have you with us for today's broadcast. We look forward to continuing the journey through Hebrews next time on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. In the meantime, let's be drawing on God's abounding grace for daily living. This is amazing grace This is unfailing love That you would take my place That you would bear my cross You laid down your life That I would be set Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado.